Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Good evening, children of the night. We're still on the road, and I hope that your Halloween treated you well. Thank you for indulging me as we left Chicago proper so I could swing past Joliet Correctional. I'm a Blues Brothers fan, you see, and I wanted to take a peek. Good thing the DOC closed that place down back in 2002. It definitely seen better days. We're headed east now along Interstate 80 under a full moon, and we've made a stop in Gary, Indiana, home of the Jackson 5. I noticed the Indy Star had a recent article in relation to a home on Carolina Street. I'll read you an excerpt. Later that evening, Washington and registered nurse Willie Lee Walker brought the two boys into a small exam room for an interview. Campbell joined them. The seven-year-old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. It's time to die, the boy said in a deep, unnatural voice. I will kill you. While the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting Campbell in the stomach. Campbell grabbed her grandson's hands and started praying. What happened next would rattle the witnesses, and to some it would offer not only evidence, but proof of paranormal activity. The rest of the article you can find in the show notes. So, the story you came here for, William O'Neill's She Dreams of Murder. This one weighs in at right about an hour, so you'll be with us just a bit longer than usual. Mr. O'Neill appropriately found his first breath of air in Indiana, specifically in Anderson, which is about halfway between Indianapolis and Muncie. William Markley O'Neill is the author of numerous horror stories, science fiction, dark comedies, and speculative poetry, including yarns that were published in Weird Tales, Cover of Darkness, and the anthology Salacious Tales. We've linked to Mr. O'Neill's Facebook page, which includes a much more thorough biography than we can provide here. While you're clicking around, if you missed it, I'd recommend you check out episode number 88 of our podcast, which includes his piece, www.sellyoursoultosatan.hell. And now, on to tonight's fiction, 
William Markley O'Neill's She Dreams of Murder. In the middle of the night, Frank Farnsworth was awakened by his wife, Faith. He rolled over towards her. Without opening his eyes, he murmured, Zone? Which translated to, What's wrong? Very clearly, his wife said, I can't take it anymore. I swear to God, I don't know why I married him in the first place. Sometimes I just wish he were dead. Frank woke up completely. He was confused. Is she talking to me? He opened his eyes. The room was dark, the shadows deep, but their digital alarm clock bathed his wife's face in a dull green glow. She was lying on her belly, facing him, and Frank could clearly see her eyes were closed. As he looked at her, Faith said slightly louder, in a whiny tone uncharacteristic of her, I do too mean it. Living with him is hell. I'm trapped and he's my jailer. I dream of ways of killing him so I can be free. Faith had never talked in her sleep, not in 19 years of marriage. Upset and agitated, he laid a hand on her shoulder and gently shook her, asking, Faith, are you awake? He saw no change in her sleep-placid expression, but her voice took a sharper tone when she said, I'm absolutely serious. The only reason I don't put arsenic in his coffee is because they don't sell it at Walmart. I'd use rat poison if I thought I could get away with it, but I just know they'd convict me and lock me away for the rest of my natural life. Going to prison would be worth it if it didn't mean being locked away from you. Frank grabbed the alarm clock off the nightstand and brought its light closer to his wife's face. He confirms Faith's eyes were closed and darting around behind her lids. Frank had read about REM sleep, which stood for rapid eye movement, the state of unconsciousness when a person was dreaming. He still couldn't believe this was happening. Faith had never talked in her sleep. Oh well, she said, still sleeping. I can always dream, can't I? After that, he heard nothing from her but even breathing. Upset, Frank wondered who Faith was talking to in her dream. Annie, probably, her best friend. Faith always confided in Annie about everything. Was she talking about me? Frank, cynical, or realistic, side fired back with an answer. Who else would she be talking about? But it made no sense to him. His wife wasn't discontented. Quite the contrary. If anything, she seemed happier than ever the last couple of years. Her job was a breeze, no stress there. The kids were great, no problems there. Faith occasionally went out to Victoria's secret parties with her friends. Faith and Andy had at least one girls' night out every week. Frank had never stood in the way of any of that. She couldn't have been talking about me. Faith loves me. He reminded himself, it was just a dream, man. Get a grip. We say and do all kinds of wacky things in our dreams. For all you know, she was talking to a penguin about her uncle. His concerns crumbled under the weight of his weariness. Frank fell back to sleep. Over breakfast the next morning with Faith and his two boys, as Frank slathered honey on his toast, he asked, Since when did you start talking in your sleep? Faith mistakenly thought Frank was talking to Blake, their oldest son. She looked at Frank and said, When did you hear him talking in his sleep? Not him, Frank clarified with the point of his butter knife. You. Me? She looked surprised, then disbelieving. I don't talk in my sleep. You never used to, no. But you sure did last night. Bobby, their youngest, asked, What'd she say, Dad? I didn't say anything, Bob. Daddy's teasing me. Frank let the subject drop. That night in bed, after the lights were out, Faith asked him, Were you serious this morning? About me talking in my sleep? I've never talked in my sleep. Frank told her, I was serious. 
What did I say? He didn't know why he was suddenly nervous about telling her the truth. The lie was fabricated spontaneously. I couldn't make out much. I got the impression you were talking about me, though. You remember having any dreams about me last night? Frank's mind raced ahead. This is where you tease me and tell me if you dreamt about me, it wouldn't be a dream. It would be a nightmare. Only you're not teasing. You're secretly harboring resentment. Faith yawned before answering. You know I never remember my dreams. A moment later, she said, If I do it again tonight, tell me to stop. Instead of telling her how he tried to wake her up last night, he just said, Okay. They went to sleep. The next few nights passed without incident. Both Frank and Faith forgot about her talking in her sleep. Then, once again in the middle of the night, Frank was awakened by his wife's voice. Driving me crazy! I hate my marriage! I absolutely hate it! Frank was immediately upset. It's happening again. Yes, I do. I know it sounds callous, maybe even psychotic, but I really do fantasize about killing him. I've been watching those true crime shows on TV just to get ideas. I saw one the other night where some woman was able to get away with murder for nearly 30 years. She used insulin to kill her husband and made it seem like an accident. Of course, my husband isn't a diabetic, damn his hide. Lying on his side... Watching his sleeping wife talk, Frank thought bitterly, No, I'm not. After a long, eye-darting pause, Faith continued, Oh, don't worry about that. He's clueless. Hell, even if he did find out about us, he probably wouldn't care. He doesn't give a damn about me. He never has. I was a fool not to realize from the beginning how self-absorbed he is. His heart hammering, Frank broke out in a sweat. He considered waking Faith up, but decided not to. Faith sighed, if it wasn't for the time I spent in bed with you, I swear to God I'd never be able to get through the week. Faith sighed again, then rolled away, away from Frank, pulling the covers up to her sleeping chin. Frank lay awake most of the night. He no longer believed Frank was talking to Annie in her dreams. Hearing her say she was glad for the time she spent in bed with her confidant caused him to speculate. She's having an affair? Every vibration of his soul rejected the idea. Faith wasn't the type. Even if she was, there was no reason for her to have an affair. She was happy. He thought about their sex life. True, it had been less than spectacular lately. He generally made love to her about once a week. But it wasn't like they were kids anymore. Certainly Faith had never complained about anything in bed. He wondered if that was a bad sign instead of a good one. Maybe she has complaints, but doesn't feel she can voice them? The idea annoyed him. Well, if she doesn't voice them, then how am I supposed to know? I'm not a goddamn mind reader. Frank argued with himself until he was exhausted. Thank goodness tomorrow is Saturday. I can sleep in. He kept telling himself it was just a dream. Only a dream. It had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with reality. He was worried. It was a long time before he found sleep again. A couple of days later, Frank met his best friend Josh for lunch. As they chit-chatted, getting caught up with their lives, Frank became increasingly more nervous. Finally, he just blurted out what was on his mind. I think Faith might be having an affair. What? Josh clearly wasn't certain whether this was a joke or not. No way. Then, seeing Frank was worried, he frowned. What makes you say that? Frank explained about Faith's new nighttime gab. When he was done, Josh laughed. Get a grip, man. Faith would never cheat on you. I know, Frank said glumly. Not at all certain it was true. Josh tried to reassure him. 
You're making a mountain out of a molehill, dude. Dreams are harmless. Haven't you ever dreamt you were with someone other than Faith? Frank replied honestly. I never remember my dreams. Well, I do, Josh snickered. Take it from me. Dreams aren't reality. First time I saw Lost in Translation, I dreamed about Scarlett Johansson for a solid week. You're not serious. Hell yes, I'm serious. I've had all kinds of celebrities show up in my dreams. I had a dream about a month ago where I was in a car accident, and instead of going to the hospital, I went to the 407 7th MASH to be operated on by Hawkeye Pierce. Donald Sutherland or Alan Alda? Alan <laughs> Alda! Josh laughed and Frank joined him. Josh said, Dreams are weirdness incarnate, buddy. Don't sweat it. Faith is about as likely to have an affair as I am to go to Korea. Frank felt much better after talking to his friend. Later, when Frank was awakened in the middle of the night, a ringing preceded his wife's voice. He rolled over to face her as Faith said, What's wrong? Incredibly sleepy, he mimicked this, asking his wife, What's wrong? Faith turned on the light on her nightstand. Frank opened blearily eyes and saw she was on the phone. She pulled the phone away from her mouth and told Frank, It's Annie. Frank still wanted to know what's wrong. Faith whispered, She's upset. She put the phone back to her mouth and said, Hang on a minute, Annie. I don't want to keep Frank up. I'm going to switch phones. As she handed Frank the receiver, she said, I'm sorry, honey. I'll take this in the living room. Hang up the phone for me when I tell you, okay? Okay. He took the phone from her as she got out of bed. He watched his faith put on her robe, turned off the light, and exited their bedroom. Frank was exhausted. He'd lost a lot of sleep the last few nights, and it was catching up with him. He could barely keep his eyes open. He put the phone to his ear and waited. When Faith finally said, Okay, honey, you can hang up now. It startled him out of a doze. He hung up the phone. Only then did Frank snap fully awake, thinking, What if it's not Annie on the phone? What if it's Faith's lover? Telling himself he was crazy, he tied to sleep. While his body was bone-weary, his brain didn't want to shut down. He tossed and turned, unable to stop wondering who was really on the phone. Finally, exasperated, Frank did something he'd never done before. He picked up the phone to eavesdrop on his wife's conversation. Putting the receiver to his head, he heard Faith saying, Don't see how that would do any good. You need to go... Frank obviously heard him picking up the phone because she stopped what she was saying in mid-sentence. Frank? Busted, he thought. He muttered, Is um, everything all right? Yes, honey. Faith did sound a little snappish as she said, Go back to sleep. I'll be coming back to bed soon. He waited two seconds, then four to see if the other person on the line was going to say anything. They didn't. Frank hung up. Damn it. He wasn't happy. For all he knew, it could be a man Faith was talking to. He never heard Annie's voice. He fretted for a while longer, but then his exhaustion won out. Screw it, he thought. Go ahead and cheat on me, Faith. See if I care. I need sleep. Sleep he got. The next morning, still on edge, Frank asked Faith, So what was up with Annie last night? Faith sighed. She's having a really rough time lately. Frank waited for more, and when no more was forthcoming, he was forced to ask, Could you be a little more specific? Faith sighed again. I really don't know what's wrong with her, and she doesn't either. She went to the doctor, and he didn't find much. I've been trying to get her to go to a psychiatrist, but she won't do it. Frank frowned. He didn't believe in shrinks. He thought people should work out their own problems. 
She's really stubborn. Faith bit her bottom lip. Frank thought, she's worried. The only time she bites her lip like that is when she's worried. He still hadn't gotten any details yet. What are her symptoms? Loss of sleep, loss of appetite, irritability, bad dreams. She called me last night because she had a nightmare that scared her to death. It unsettled Frank hearing Faith talk about dreams. He didn't care what Annie was dreaming. He was a lot more concerned about what was going on in his wife's head at night. Faith's shoulders were slumped. Her eyes lowered. I don't know what's going on, but I have a theory. Again, he was forced to ask, what? I don't know. Sometimes I think she might have been assaulted. Maybe even raped. Her nightmares are caused by something. It's almost like she's consciously repressing the memory of something awful. Wow. Frank said, feeling sheepish and ashamed. He didn't for an instant think Faith was lying. Annie was her best friend. He knew how close they were. He felt bad that she'd suspected Faith was lying to him about who called last night. He now knew it really was Annie. Faith looked at him with a puzzled expression, and he added, That really sucks. Faith got up from the table. Just like a man. He made her angry. I tell you, Annie might have experienced something so traumatic she won't even allow herself to remember it, and all you can say is, Wow, that really sucks. He got up from the table and went to her. I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. He certainly couldn't tell Faith he was slow to feel compassion because he thought she might be lying to him. What's Stan say about all this? Stan was Annie's husband. Frank tried to hug Faith, but she pushed him away. Stan is totally worthless. He doesn't give a damn about Annie. In his mind, Frank found himself defending Stan Katzenberg. You said the same thing about me the other night, darling. Knowing he couldn't verbalize what he was thinking, Frank didn't know what to say. Tears welling in her eyes, Faith picked up her purse. Just leave me alone! Grabbing her car keys, she stormed out of the house. All day at work, Frank was obsessed, wondering where did she go. He wanted to believe Faith went to see Annie. He was worried she went to see her secret lover. When he called her cell phone, it was turned off. That frustrated him, but it wasn't surprising. Faith wasn't a fan of cell phones anyway, especially not since her sister had a car accident while talking on hers. A lot of the time, Faith didn't even bother to take her cell phone with her. When Frank called their home, he kept getting voicemail and he kept hanging up. Finally, late in the afternoon, he couldn't take it anymore. He picked up the phone and called the Katzenberg residence. After four rings, Annie picked up the phone. Hello? Hey, Annie, it's Frank. Oh, hi, Frank. Faith just left. Really? he wondered. Or did Faith put you up to saying that? He stammered. Oh, well, okay. Actually, that was why I was calling. I haven't been able to get hold of her all day, and Annie interrupted. That's my fault. I'm so sorry. She's been with me. I'm kind of... There was a pause, and then Annie laughed. Her laugh sounded strained to Frank, completely without humor. Oh, let's just say I have way too much happening in my little world right now. Frank didn't care. He had his own worries, like whether or not you're telling me the truth, Annie. Well, I believe you're going through the change early or maybe having a nervous breakdown. I do believe you're the one who called last night. But has Faith been with you all day? Or after our fight this morning, are you sure she didn't go see her lover first before she came over to your house? Flatly he asked, Is there anything I can do? Annie laughed again, this time sounding more like her old self. You could send Faith and I on a Caribbean cruise. What, so she can actually go with him?
I don't think so, he said, and then added, If Faith's going on a cruise with anyone, it's going to be with me. Now it was Annie's voice that sounded flat as she said, She's so lucky to have you, Frank. Frank matched her tone. She's lucky to have you too, Annie. He ended the conversation by thanking Annie and telling her, Get to feeling better. They said their goodbyes. Frank hung up and then immediately called home. In his mind, he heard himself shouting, Where the hell have you been all day? But when Faith actually answered the phone, what he said instead was, Are you all right? I'm fine. Look, I'm really sorry about this. I hope you weren't too worried. Actually, I was. I've been trying to reach you all day. I'm sorry. When I left this morning, I never intended to be gone so long. If I'd known it would take all day, I would have taken my cell phone with me. If you'd known what would take all day, Faith sighed. I finally got Annie to see a psychiatrist today. Frank winced. He wondered why Annie hadn't mentioned that on the phone, but then he thought she was probably too embarrassed. He found himself asking, was that really necessary? A flash of anger radiated through the phone. Yes, it was absolutely necessary. I know how you feel about psychiatrists, Frank, so let's just drop it, okay? Fine. Annie has major problems right now, and I'd appreciate it if you'd show a little compassion. Right now, she needs me. Really? Frank was getting angry. Does she really need you that bad, darling? Or is this all a smokescreen so you can be with some guy? Fine, he said again. Faith still wasn't ready to let the subject drop. This is serious. It's not hormonal, and it's not just some woman's problem. I'm not going to get into the details because I know you won't believe it, but I swear, Frank, if you don't... Frank was startled when his wife started to cry. Hearing her weeping melted his heart, immediately vanquishing his anger and suspicion. Gently he asked, What, honey? After sobbing softly for a moment, Faith admitted, I'm just really worried about her, okay? Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. I just honestly don't understand what's going on. Sharply, Faith said, You're right. You don't understand, so let's just drop it, okay? Okay. This time they did drop it. Three nights later, Frank woke to the sound of his wife screaming. In an instant, he was shocked from being peacefully asleep to alarmed consciousness. Faith's scream was followed by her shouting, No! 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 Frank found Faith lying on her back, completely limp. In a little girl voice, she whined, Please don't hurt me. Frank didn't even consider writing this nightmare out. He grabbed Faith's shoulders and shook her. Honey, wake up! Wake up, Faith! She moaned with fear. Frank shook her harder. Wake up, Faith! Wake up! From their doorway, Frank heard Bobby's frightened voice. Daddy? It's all right, son, he said, thinking it was not all right at all. Mommy's just having a bad dream. Faith whined. He isn't human. Faith, wake up! She opened her eyes. Frank realized he was squeezing her shoulders very tight and let them go. Behind him, he heard Bobby crying. Faith asked, What is it? What's wrong? Frank rolled out of bed. You were having a nightmare. Nightmare? Faith said in a disbelieving tone. Frank went to Bobby and picked up his young son. It's all right, buddy. Everything's fine. Mommy was just having a bad dream. Bobby? Faith now sounded concerned. 
She sat up and turned on her light. At the same time, the hallway outside the master bedroom lit up. Still holding Bobby, Frank stepped into the hall. Blake approached, rubbing his eyes, asking, What's wrong? Faith came over and took Bobby from Frank, saying, I'm sorry, honey, did I scare you? Frank told Blake, Mom had a nightmare, everything's fine now. Go back to bed. Bobby nodded in his mother's arms, then sniffed. He told Faith, You were screaming, Mommy. Frank shot his wife an I-told-you-so glance. Seeing Frank's glare and ignoring it, Faith apologized to Bobby. I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean to frighten you. Blake asked, You all right, Mom? She looked over her younger son's toehead to smile wanely at her older son. Yeah, I'm fine, sweetie. Go back to bed. With a yawn, Blake did as he was told, turning off the light in the hall. Frank wanted to know what Faith was dreaming about. Surely she wasn't dreaming about me. Surely she wasn't. Faith asked Bobby, You want to sleep with us tonight? Of course Bobby did. Frank wasn't happy. His son hadn't slept with him in months. Bobby used to have his own nightmares and only recently outgrew them. Sighing, Frank realized these were special circumstances. It wasn't every night a kid was awakened by his mother's screams. Frank resigned himself to getting no answers tonight. Bobby snuggled in between his parents in their king-sized bed. Faith fell asleep about the same time Bobby did. Disturbed, Frank lay awake. The next day, Faith claimed she couldn't remember what her nightmare was about. Frank wasn't surprised. The shriek that woke him up was awful, but even more unsettling was the terror in Faith's voice when she said, He isn't human! As hard as it was to figure out why his wife secretly hated him, it was even harder for him to contemplate the idea of her being afraid of him. The next evening, Frank couldn't keep his eyes open. He went to bed two hours earlier than normal, leaving Faith up. Hours later, he was awakened by her voice. She was not talking very loudly this time, but he still snapped awake the moment she said, I don't believe that. Frank sighed and rolled over to face her, thinking, I didn't even hear her come to bed. He was tired, not just physically tired, but also emotionally retired. He was sick of being jarred out of sleep like this. Tonight, his wife was facing away from him. By the green glow of the alarm clock, he found himself staring at the back of her head. Faith said, That's not the problem! It's not! Frank rubbed his eyes. Just shut up. He's the problem! I can't stand him! I want him to die! The only time I feel whole is when I'm with you! Frank didn't want to hear this. Even though he knew she probably wouldn't wake up, he grabbed her shoulder and shook her, saying loudly, Wake up, Faith! She did wake up, jumping as if startled. What is it? What's wrong? Angry but trying to bottle it, he told her, You woke me up again. You were talking in your sleep. She rolled over to face him, saying, I'm sorry. He was glad, at least, that she no longer denied she talked in her sleep. Frank was too curious not to ask, What were you dreaming about? I don't know. She thought about it and added, Annie, I think. Annie. Frank didn't believe her. Yeah, right. He jumped when she reached out to touch him. What did I say this time? Frank lied with absolutely no guilt. Nothing I could understand. In a small voice, Faith said, I'm sorry. It's all right, he said, thinking, There's nothing right about any of this. He rolled away for her. Go back to sleep. After a while, they both did. 
When Frank arrived home from work two nights later, he was stunned to find Faith sitting with Blake in the living room watching the nightly news. Faith and Blake never watched TV together. Faith was generally turned to Lifetime, A&E, or the Food Network. Blake lived for ESPN, MTV, and the WB. Neither of them ever watched the news. Frank turned his attention to the television just in time to see some fuzzy videos of light streaks against the night sky. Blake saw him and said, Check it out, Dad! A reporter appeared on screen holding an eyewitness news team microphone. Well, Andrea, as you can see, it's probably going to be quite a while before anyone gets any sleep around here. Until then, the residents will be watching the skies. Frank heard a little bit about this at work today, but not much. His mind was elsewhere. Convinced now that Faith was hiding something from him, fearful she was cheating on him, he'd been thinking a lot lately about who the other man might be. Frank asked, What's up? Seeing his wife and teenage son together on the couch was too strange. The last time Frank saw a scene like that was when Blake was Bobby's age. Blake said, You don't believe in this stuff, do you, Dad? What stuff? UFOs! Haven't you heard? A whole bunch of people have seen UFOs in the last few nights. Everyone was talking about it at school today. Some freshmen say they saw, like, real spaceships. We're all the world's crap, but nobody believes them. Mass hysteria, Frank said. What? Faith said sharply. Frank repeated, Sounds like mass hysteria to me. One guy sees a plane or Venus when it's particularly bright and believes it's a flying saucer. Next thing you know, everyone's seeing lights in the skies. Blake looked at his mom in triumph. Isn't that what I said? Faith picked up the remote and turned off the TV. Supper's almost ready. As she walked off to the kitchen, Blake told Frank, Mom believes it. As usual, Frank was confused. Lately, it seemed like he never stood anything that was going on in his house. Believes what? She believes in UFOs. Frank shook his head. He'd married a pragmatist. The idea that Faith would give credence to such hogwash was unfathomable to him. Grumpy now, he said, Well, what's not to believe, Blake? Unidentified flying objects do exist. They always turn out to be odd cloud formations or planes, but the phenomenon is real. Blake waited for Frank to stop talking so he could clarify, Mom actually believes in extraterrestrials. What? Now Frank was really upset. If he lived to be a hundred years old, he would have bet that he would never hear the word extraterrestrial used in a conversation in his home. As Blake got up from the couch and pulled up his baggy jeans, E.T., Dad. Mom believes in strange visitors from outer space. With that parting shot, Blake headed for his bedroom. Frank walked out to the kitchen, where Faith was putting garlic toast in the oven. Spaghetti sauce was bubbling in a pot on the stove, while the water boiled in a bigger kettle. Frank approached Faith like she was a volatile drunk or a dangerous beast. From a distance, watching her closely, he said, Blake tells me you believe in E.T.'s. Faith closed the oven, then hung up her oven mitts, huffing. Your son has a very limited imagination. Since Blake agreed with Frank, and Blake happened to be right in this instance, Frank felt Faith wasn't just insulting Blake, but also him. What's that supposed to mean? Do you believe we're being visited by little green men from Mars? Faith gave him a look that a month ago would have hurt him. 
Now it just made him angry to see contempt in her eyes. She shook her head and hissed, No, Frank, I don't think we're being visited by little green men from anywhere. She opened a box of spaghetti and began snapping it in half above the boiling water, then dropping it in. Frank just stood there, uncertain whether he wanted to continue this conversation or not. Finally, frustrated, he decided he didn't. He asked Faith, How long until dinner? Coldly, she answered, Ten minutes. He could tell she was angry, and her anger was making him angrier. What's she got to be mad about? Does she really expect me to take any of this seriously? He told her, I'm going to take a shower, and walked out of the kitchen. Frank headed upstairs to the master bath, stripped down, and got into the shower. He couldn't believe it. Exactly at what point in our marriage did my wife lose her mind? Like Frank, Faith had always been a skeptic. She didn't believe in Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. She also didn't believe in E.T.'s. He really wanted to know, when did she change? Suddenly he had an idea and it caused a sinking feeling in his stomach. He wondered if Faith's newfound interest in UFOs was influenced by her new lover. That seemed like a likely possibility. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You couldn't imagine where else Faith could be getting these bizarre ideas. The following Friday, as Frank finished up a particularly grueling work week, Faith called him at the office. Frank? He knew from her voice that something was wrong. What is it? Are the boys okay? They're fine, but I've got a big problem. Annie's in trouble. What? Annie again. What this time? She's going to have surgery this afternoon. Surgery? Instead of being concerned about his wife's friend, his first thought was, These are the kind of surprises that are supposed to wait until I get home, darling. As usual, stands of no help. I need to be with her tonight. The word tonight set off alarm bells. What time will you be home? Actually, I was thinking about staying at Annie's house tonight. You're kidding me. Stan's out of town right now. He went to his brother specifically so he wouldn't have to deal with this, the callous jerk. 
Look, I, I know you're not happy about this, but I've tried to make it as painless as possible. Blake is spending the night at Austin. Austin was Blake's best friend. And Bobby is at my mom's, so you'll have the whole house to yourself. I, I took a T-bone out of the freezer for you, or you could just warm up some of the leftover hamburger helper from the other night. She's going to him. Whoever he is, she'll be spending the night with him. Annie will cover for her, and oh, sure, she'll probably spend some time at Annie's house, but there's more going on here than she's telling me. He snapped. Well, thanks for notifying me. She's going to cheat on me again. Oh, don't act that way. Exactly how should I act? Damn it, Frank, since when did you become so selfish? Annie's hurting right now. Frank tried softening his tone, but he resented having to do it. What kind of surgery is she having? It doesn't matter. What matters is she's frightened out of her mind, and she needs me to stay with her. Okay, then. There was a brief, tense silence. Just as he was about to ask when she would be back, Faith said, I'll be home in the morning. Just call me if you need me, okay? I've got my cell phone on me. Where are you now? I'm standing outside the hospital. Oh. Oh, she said, mocking him. What is wrong with you? Nothing, he said, thinking. What's wrong with you? Annie sighed. I'm going to go. Call me if you need me. Okay. I love you. His eyes narrowed as he gave the appropriate response. I love you, too. Even though he was not feeling any love at all at the moment. Frank gave up drinking years ago, but on the way home, he stopped at a liquor store and bought a bottle of Captain Morgan. Many hours later, drunk on rum... He picked up the phone and called Annie's house. The phone rang and rang. She's not going to answer. Tomorrow they'll tell me they were already in bed. He looked at the clock and saw the numbers that indicated it was after midnight, but his foggy brain didn't make much sense of him. She's with him. I know Frank is with him and Annie will lie and say, Hello? Spontaneously, Frank hung up. His head was reeling. He'd never been this inebriated in his life. He thought, okay, so Annie's there, but Faith's not. Faith is... The phone rang, startling him so badly, he spilled rum on himself. He picked up the phone and said, Hello? Frank? It was Faith. He didn't say anything. It dawned on him he might be a bit too drunk to talk. Frank? What? Is that you? Yeah... Did you just call here? He wanted to lie, but knew he was probably caught and said nothing. The words caller ID flashed through his muddled mind. Have you been drinking? Maybe. He said, not realizing he might just as well have said yes. Faith sounded disgusted. Damn it, Frank, don't I have enough problems without you making me more? What kind of problems have you got other than hiding your lover from me? Don't call here any more tonight. Before he'd retorted, he'd call her any damn time he pleased. She hung up on him. Shung up on me. He couldn't believe she hung up on him. Nobody knew the troubles Frank Farnsworth had seen. Nobody but Captain Morgan. They fought the next day when Faith got home. She was furious about Frank's drinking. He was suffering from a terrible hangover and was in no mood to apologize. He believed this was all Faith's fault, excusing himself by thinking she drove him to drink. He never asked about Annie's surgery. He didn't care. Faith spent hours on the phone talking to Annie. The entire day was extremely tense. 
When they finally went to bed, Faith scooched all the way over to her left side of the bed while Frank scooted to the far right. Hours after they went to sleep, Faith awakened him, saying, I know you don't approve, but please don't judge me too harshly. As he opened his eyes, Frank muttered, Don't approve of what? Faith answered, I hired somebody. He rolled over to face her, wondering, Hired somebody to do what? I hired someone to kill him. What? He jumped as if he'd received an electric shock. I know, I know, you still value your marriage. You must think I'm terrible. You don't understand how bad it is. So your lover's married too, huh? Oh, that figures. Faith whined. It's too late. I already gave him part of the money. At this point, I can't call it off. This isn't happening. This cannot be happening. Faith sounded like she was crying. Instead of softening Frank's heart, her sobbing hardened it. She said, I did it for you. I did it for us. I did it so it would be easier for us to be together. Mortified, Frank asked her, when is this going to happen? Faith said nothing more. Frank lay awake all night. The next day, he talked again with his friend Josh. Once again, Josh didn't take his concerns seriously. At work, exhausted, short-tempered from lack of sleep, Frank spent his lunch hour calling private detectives, only to confirm what he already suspected. He couldn't afford to hire one. That night, the atmosphere in his house was still chilly. Once again, he went to bed before Faith. Once again, it didn't do any good. She awakened him from a dead sleep, saying, No, I don't think I'll get caught. The guy barely knows me. He's a friend of a friend, and he needs money for his family. He has every bit as much to lose as me, if not more. He's not exactly a bad man, but I think... I think... What? Frank asked, and apparently the lover in her dreams asked the same thing, because Faith finished. I think he might have done this once before. I think he's experienced. In his mind, Frank screamed, Where the hell does she meet these guys? He was surprised when Faith laughed. He's clueless. I've been stashing away money for years. I never even put it in the bank. I didn't do that because I was, like, premeditating murder. But the way it turns out, there'll be no record of the money anywhere. I had to make several trips to the bank to change it all over into large bills. Faith snickered again. I literally had to change over 6,000 in singles. She laughed a laugh that wasn't her own. Inwardly, Frank shuddered and groaned. Faith had a part-time, working three days a week, and he'd never made his wife account for a paycheck. She did all the shopping for the family, and she wrote all the checks for the bills. They had a joint account, but yeah, when Frank considered it, he knew it was possible that Frank could have been hiding a secret stash all these years. He knew it's totally possible. Faith had finished her sleep talking. Frank had only begun to think. By the time the sun's earliest light was touching the skies, he convinced himself that it was in his best interest to contact the police. That was the only way he found he could let go of consciousness. The next morning at breakfast, after getting very little sleep, Frank knew contacting the police wouldn't just be futile, it'd be downright embarrassing. He picked at his food, deep in thought, imagining the encounter. Yes, officer, I'm certain she's cheating on me. She tells her lover I make her miserable and that she wants me dead, even though she's never said any of these things to me directly. She's been influenced by this guy, whoever he is. He's even got her believing extraterrestrials, if you can believe that insanity. And now she's hired a hitman to kill me. I don't know who she's hired or when he's going to strike, but my life is in danger. 
What? How do I know these things? His frown deepened as he imagined admitting to a cop. She talks in her sleep. He shook his head, glumly realizing, they'll never believe me. Faith asked him, what's wrong, Frank? Nothing, I'm just tired. He said, thinking, I'm on my own. Sitting across from his family, Frank had never felt so alone in his life. Frank made arrangements to take the afternoon off. His boss wasn't happy about it, but Frank lied and said there was a problem with Bobby at school. The first thing he did when he left work was drive home and hurry straight upstairs to the attic. He located his gun, a three eighty caliber double-action Beretta. He hadn't fired the weapon in years, not since Bobby was born. After grabbing a sandwich, Frank drove by the place where his wife worked, just to make certain her car was there. It was. He then went to a gun shop, where he purchased four boxes of ammunition and a holster he could wear just above his ankle. Frank spent the better part of two hours on a gun range practicing shooting. After driving by Faith's place of employment, Frank headed home. He found himself looking in the rearview mirror a lot. He was more than a little paranoid about being followed. At home, Frank put on a baggy sweatsuit with string-tied pants that were two sizes too big for him so he could hide his pistol in his ankle holster. Over dinner that night, the boys were talking about UFOs again. The teenagers were still going out at night to look up at the stars. As usual, Faith was worried about Annie. Again. Still. Frank's mind was a million miles away. He couldn't believe he was secretly wearing a gun. Even more astonishing was the notion that he would probably have to use it. He had no intention of being murdered by the hitman who his wife had hired. At night, as he lay down to sleep, all the fears he successfully suppressed during the day came bubbling to the surface. Faith slept on the left side of the bed. He slept on the right. Each of them had their own nightstand. The door to the bedroom was also on the right on Frank's side. When he lay down, Frank tucked the pistol under his side of the bed. It wasn't an ideal place to stash it, but in an emergency, he'd be able to access it quicker there than if it was inside the drawer of his nightstand. Faith fell asleep long before he... Frank tossed and turned. I'm so tired, I'm going to be useless at work tomorrow. He kept remembering how the gun felt in his hands when he was firing it. He couldn't sleep at all. Four hours after Faith fell asleep, Frank was still awake. His wife rolled onto her back. After a deep sigh, she murmured, Sweetheart. Agitated, upset, incredibly weary, Frank glared as Faith said, You worry too much. His heart seethed when he saw his wife was smiling. Faith said, It's all set for Friday night. Once the bastard's asleep, I'll slip downstairs. The hitman... I know, I know how crazy it sounds for me to call him that, but I'm not going to tell you his name just in case something goes wrong. How considerate of you, darling. The hitman will be waiting for me. I'll let him in and go into the kitchen where I'll spill a gallon of milk on the floor. Then I'll hide in the basement while... while the hitman sneaks upstairs and murders me. Yeah. Frank shuddered. Friday, he thought. Day after tomorrow. Faith talked rapidly. Breathlessly. After it's done, he'll tear the place up. I told him to take anything he wants, any, anything of value. We'll rip the pictures off the walls to make it look like he's trying to find a safe. Basically, I'll help him trash the place, then I'll give him the rest of the money. I'm not a total idiot. So far, I've only given him half what I owe him. He'll get the rest Friday night. I've, I've converted most of the money to traveler's checks. 
The minute he leaves, he's headed for the airport. He'll take whatever flight is available to whatever destination is available. Then the next day, he'll catch a flight to Germany. Germany. Great. With no amusement at all, Frank thought, she hired a Nazi. Faith continued, there's no phone in the basement. Frank thought, no, there's not. So that will account for a short wait while I call the cops. I'll claim I wasn't certain the murderer had left. Finally, after I've given the hitman a decent head start, I'll call the police. Good Lord, said Frank. Hearing her describe his murder made it vividly real in his mind. I'll tell the police I had a bad dream that woke me up. The kids will back me up on that. I've woken them up a lot lately with my nightmares. Frank shook his head. Actually, there was only that one time, but that certainly made an impact on the boys, particularly Bobby. No way. The kids will be gone that night. I'd never subject them to all this. It's going to be hard enough on me when they make me identify the body. Bitterly, Frank thought, imagine how I'm going to feel. It was spooky how calm Faith sounded. I'll say I was getting a drink in the kitchen when I heard gunshots. I'll say I panicked at that point and hid in the basement. I'll claim to have heard the guy ransacking the house. I'll say I didn't hear him leave. Finally, I'll claim after I waited a while to make certain he was gone, I came upstairs and called out but got no answer. I want my reaction to be raw when they take me to see the body. It's going to be awful, I know. I dread it. Not half as much as I do, thought Frank. But I really think it'll work. Frank thought it probably would work. If she hadn't just told him the plan... The kids will be crushed, of course, but they're young. They'll get over it. Gooseflesh prickled Frank's arms. Of all the things he'd heard Faith say in her sleep, that was the most chilling. I haven't even thought about the funeral yet. I don't want to. The less prepared I seem, the better. I want it to look like this hit me like a bolt from the blue. Well, that's the way I feel, darling. Her final comment tonight was, Only a few more days, and then it'll be over. Then you'll be free to start a new life without me. Suddenly, Frank was on the verge of tears. He hadn't cried in ten years, not since his father died. He rolled out of bed and rushed into the bathroom, where he closed the door and began to weep. Over and over, he remembered Faith saying, The kids will be crushed, of course, but they're young. They'll get over it. The next night, Thursday night, as Frank lay awake in bed waiting for his wife to dream, he held his gun in his hands, clasped to his chest. Tonight, Faith had very little to say in her sleep. She announced, Tomorrow night's the night. Pray for me. Pray for me? Pray for me? Hearing that made him absolutely furious. Glaring at Faith in the dark, he thought, Since when have you ever in your life ever asked anyone to pray for you? You're agnostic, honey. It's one of the reasons I married you. Pray for me, he grumbled bitterly. Obviously, this was more nonsense she'd gotten from her lover. Frank was tired of this. Tomorrow night, it ended, one way or another. When the hitman came to his house, Frank would be waiting. He would kill the bastard who took Faith's money as payment for taking Frank's life. He would shoot him the minute he walked through the door. He would treat him like an uninvited vampire. Afterwards, before involving the police, he was going to ask Faith some questions. Like who the hell her secret lover was. One way or another, he would get some answers. Tomorrow night. Friday began as expected. 
Frank learned Blake was staying at Howie's tonight and Bobby was spending the weekend with Faith's parents. Frank's workday was brutal. He was bleary with exhaustion. He couldn't remember the last time he'd gotten a good night's rest. He spent the morning in a daze and the afternoon fighting his eyelids. When Frank arrived home after work, Faith was waiting for him. Grimly, she told him, We need to talk. What now? Sit down, honey, she pleaded, but without any of the whining she exhibited in her sleep. Please. Warily, Frank took a seat across from his wife. What's up? She hesitated, biting her lower lip. She took one of Frank's hands and squeezed it. I can't take it anymore. I need to talk to you about something. I can't take it anymore, he thought. Weren't those the first words I ever heard you say in your sleep? As he did that first night, Frank asked, What's wrong? It's Annie. Annie? Again with Annie? He was too tired for this crap. Just listen, okay? I know you aren't going to believe any of this. I'm crazy to even tell you, but I really need to talk to somebody. There were tears in her eyes again. He couldn't believe it. I'm having a really hard time dealing with this alone. Will you just spit it out? What's going on, Faith? I guess I should just say it. I think Annie might have been abducted by aliens. He knew she meant extraterrestrials and not illegal Mexicans. Already tired and flustered, he was now rendered speechless. Let me tell you what happened. Faith looked down, breaking eye contact. About a month ago, Annie took her kids to visit her mother for the weekend. Her mom lives way out in the country. Annie was driving home alone when she saw these strange lights in the sky. She's not the only one that's seen them, you know. A whole bunch of people have seen them. The next thing Annie's aware of, she's arriving back home. She discovered she had some strange bruises she couldn't explain. Worse, she couldn't account for about three hours of time. She arrived home much later than she should have. She was a little disturbed about the lost time, but eventually just went to bed and forgot about it. Then a few days later, she started having nightmares and strange pains. She's afraid all the time, afraid of shadows, afraid something is hiding in the dark. Remember when I said I thought something traumatic happened to her? Well, at the time, I thought she might have been attacked on her way home from her mom's and then repressed the memory of it, Frank blurted out. But now you think she's been abducted by extraterrestrials. Faith sighed. I knew you wouldn't believe me. My God, Faith, a couple of bumps and bruises doesn't mean there's more. What? He didn't have any patience for this. It was nonsense, particularly in light of the fact that someone was planning on killing him tonight. Remember her surgery? Yeah, what about it? They found something. Found what? Well, that's just it. They don't know. It's some kind of shard, almost like a piece of crystal. Like glass, only it isn't. Faith shook her head. They don't know what it's made of or how it got there. Got where? In her neck. At first the doctors were frightened it could actually kill her. It was so close to her spinal cord. Frank shook his head. That's crazy. How did it get there? Faith shrugged. Nobody knows for sure, but Annie thinks E.T. put it there. Actually, no, Annie's in denial. 
Annie made a little progress when she went to the psychiatrist I took her to, but then she just quit going. Faith sighed with exasperation. Annie thinks Stan is her biggest problem. Frank squealed, So you're the one that thinks she was abducted by aliens? Faith became snappish. Whether you believe it or not, it makes sense. I've done some research on this, and what's happening to Annie fits a pattern. Do you realize how many people report being abducted every year? Frank rolled his eyes. Do you realize how many people report Bat-Boy sightings every month? Getting to her feet, her face clenched, Faith said, I knew it was a mistake talking to you. So why did you bring this up now, darling? Huh? Is this all some kind of red herring to distract me? If this has been going on for weeks, why are you just now bringing it up? Never mind, just forget it. Crying, Faith fled the room. Angry, Frank let her go. He had never been so nervous, so keyed up, while simultaneously so exhausted. Faith went to bed early. Frank waited a while, and finally went to bed around eleven. He held his loaded Beretta to his chest, pulling his covers up to hide it. For a long while, he just stared at the ceiling, his heart beating fast. Faith was already breathing the soft breath of slumber. Frank turned on his side, facing the closed door to their bedroom, his pistol still tightly gripped beneath the covers. For the next ninety minutes, he didn't feel the slightest bit tired. He squirmed, wanting to turn over on his other side, but he remained always facing the door. Then suddenly, sleepiness hit him hard. He fought his eyelids for supremacy and lost. As Frank regained consciousness, he was aware of three things simultaneously. He'd fallen asleep. Someone was trying to quietly open the door to his bedroom, and that meant he was about to be killed. Beneath the covers, he released the safety on his gun. Opening his eyes, he thrust the pistol forward and pulled the trigger. The dark figure in the doorway lurched. Screaming inarticulately, Frank fired the gun again and again and again. The third shot was the one that caused his target to drop to the floor like a bag of concrete. Frank had shot right through his covers, which were now smoldering. Pushing them off him, he looked over and wasn't the least bit surprised to find his wife's side of the bed vacant. He knew where she was. Downstairs in the basement. Drenched in sweat, terrified, Understanding that because he fell asleep he was nearly killed, Frank steeled himself and turned on the light. The figure lying on the floor in the spreading puddle of blood wasn't a stranger. It was Faith. Gun smoke wafted through the bedroom. He winced, averting his eyes. Frank had never seen so much blood in his life. His stomach lurching, he realized the hitman is still out there. Faith must have been on her way downstairs to let the assassin in. Frank tried to avoid stepping in Faith's blood as he slipped past her, out of the bedroom, but his heel caught part of a puddle, and he tracked red all the way down the hall. His gun raised, clenched in two sweaty hands, Frank rushed outside to confront Faith's hired hitman. His street was deserted. The only sign of life was the neighbor's black cat slinking across her yard. Frank circumnavigated his house, searching the backyard, the shed, his garage. He found no one. Where is he? Frank assumed the assassin hadn't shown up yet. He would probably need to wait a while longer. As he went back inside and locked the door, he decided to search the house. Just as he began, the phone started ringing, startling him. He wondered who'd be calling at this time of night. 
He wondered if the neighbors heard gunshots. His hands trembling, Frank picked up the phone. Frank, it's Annie. It's an emergency. I need to talk to Faith. Faith is dead, was what he thought, then almost edited himself and said indisposed. Instead of choosing either word, he avoided the question altogether. What's wrong, Annie? He could hear her crying. Annie whined. Someone broke into our house. I was in the kitchen at the time, and I heard gunshots upstairs, up where Stan is. I hid in the basement. I didn't know what to do. I think they were looking for money. I think they shot Stan. Frank's entire body went cold. He was shocked to his core, too staggered to think. I need to talk to Faith, Frank, she whined, and her whining sounded very familiar. Can I please talk to Faith? Barely able to breathe, Frank asked, Have you called the police yet? Not yet. I was about to. I was just so scared. I wanted to talk to Faith first. Nearly frantic, Frank lied. Faith and I are on our way over there. Give us at least ten minutes before you call the police. Okay, but... Frank hung up the phone. A bundle of nerves and a bag of sweat, Frank grabbed his car keys and rushed out of the house. He didn't bother with shoes and was unaware he was barefoot. He drove like a bat out of hell. Frank found himself remembering how Faith always referred to the kids when she talked in her sleep. That wasn't like Faith. Faith always referred to Blake and Bobby as the boys. Annie and Stan had two girls and a boy. They referred to their children as the kids. No, that doesn't make any sense. Was Annie the one who was having the affair? This can't be happening. When he arrived at the Kratzenberg house, there were no police cars in sight. Good, he thought, determined to talk with Annie alone. He rushed up the sidewalk to her house. The front door opened and Annie stepped out onto the porch. Immediately she asked, Where's Faith? Frank gave Annie a violent shove, pushing her back into the house. Annie squealed. Frank entered the house and closed the door behind him. We need to talk. Annie looked nearly as panicked as Frank felt. She wanted to know, where's Faith? Faith? Frank choked up. His voice quavered as he finished. He's dead. What? All pigment evaporated from Annie's face. Faith was trying to kill me. Or at least I thought she was. But he took the gun out. I killed her first. Oh, sweet Jesus, no! It dawned on Frank that Annie was religious. He remembered Faith saying, Pray for me, in her sleep, and knew that sentiment was Annie's, not hers. Oh my God, no! Annie collapsed as surely as if her legs had just turned to butter. Frank knew Annie was to blame for this. Hatred filled his heart with black fury. He strode over to Annie and grabbed her by the hair. Annie shrieked, I hate you! In their mutual loathing, the connection was formed. Images flooded Frank's mind. He saw Annie in her car, Annie looking up at bright lights in the sky. He saw Annie become paralyzed as a gray-skinned, otherworldly creature approached her. Just as in one of the nightmares she unwittingly shared with Faith, Annie gasped, He isn't human! He saw Annie in a dazzling white room, inside a spaceship. Strapped down on a table, shrieking at the top of her lungs as aliens manhandled her. He saw Annie being placed back into her automobile. 
an otherworldly being then wiped away her memories of the last three hours. Frank now knew when the alien shut down one part of Annie's mind, he accidentally awoke another part. As mind-boggling as the images of the gray extraterrestrials were, Frank was even more rattled when he saw Annie and Faith together, in bed, making love. He saw blissful expressions on Faith's face since he hadn't seen since they were newlyweds. When Annie performed cunnilingus on his wife, Faith made sounds Frank had never heard before. Faith was having an affair, but not with a man. Faith was sleeping with Annie. And just as Annie and Frank had been connected empathically by their hatred, Annie and Faith were previously linked by their love. Because of an alien touch, Annie's subconscious was able to instigate a collective unconsciousness with her most cherished soulmate. Neither Faith nor Annie were aware of it, but when Annie dreamed, it was Faith who sometimes talked in her sleep. Annie hated Stan. She hired a man named Franz to kill him, a man now on his way to Germany. It was Annie who was desperate to end her marriage, not Faith. It was Annie. It was all Annie. Frank Farnsworth pushed Annie Katzenberg away from him both physically and mentally, severing their hateful connection. Behind him, outside, Frank heard a car door slammed and assumed the police had arrived. He raised his pistol and shot Annie over and over and over. He was still shooting her when the police broke down the door and shot him. In a commingling pool of blood, he died on the floor next to Annie, a believer in extraterrestrials. On the police band radio, an officer across town radioed in a report of strange lights in the sky. The end. That was William Markley O'Neill's She Dreams of Murder, as read to us by Logan Waterman. Logan has a degree in technical theater from California State University and has worked in many theaters, large and small, professional and amateur. He had also worked for Apple Computers, sold hot tubs and comic books, and prepared court documents. He has taught sword fighting for the stage and ran lights for a local band until they broke up. He currently works for the legal system, watches a lot of science fiction television, listens to a lot of podcasts, and reads a lot of science fiction novels and comic books. He hopes to make a bit of money from voice acting and narration someday. Don't we all, Logan? Logan currently lives in Northern California with Grendel, a huge black beast whose primary occupations are sleeping and stalking the fish in the aquarium, and Morgana, a small, fluffy queen who rules her domain with an iron paw. The fish remain unimpressed. And that will be our evening, children of the night. Join us again next week for more Tales to Terrify. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank <laughs> you.